You are now listening to the Unravel to Rise podcast, and I'm your host, Britt. This podcast is all about the journey through unraveling and unbecoming who we thought we were so that we can truly step into and align with who we are meant to be. We'll be talking about how to decondition and reprogram everything we've grown up knowing and believing, but that we feel no longer aligns with who we are. This podcast is truly all about surrendering, healing, and evolving so that we can live a happier, healthier, and more purposeful life. So are you ready to rise with me? Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Unravel to Rise. I'm so happy um, to have you here. And, you know, honestly, the first two episodes have gone way better than I expected. Um but I think I just kind of didn't set any expectation on this. I really just wanted this podcast to be, you know, something that allowed me to speak my truth and to speak on the things that I love and um, just go with the flow of it. So, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out and I've had a lot of people say they love the podcast and it just warms my heart uh, because I know that, you know, some of the stuff I talk about, it can be hard, it can be difficult, um, it can be fun, it can be all the things but people can relate to it. And that's all I truly want is for people to be able to relate to someone else. Um, And especially if it's stuff that they've kind of kept to themselves and they're finally like, oh, somebody else has gone through this. It truly, you know, just lights my soul on fire and warms my heart to know that people can relate and connect with the stuff that I talk about. So Um, Anyways, yeah, it's been a few weeks since I posted. It's been kind of crazy. We had a trip to Italy where we are gone for a week. Um, We've been back for a little over a week at this point, but we've had a lot of personal stuff that's been going on, um, which I will probably talk about next week on the podcast. It's going to go a little bit deeper, um, but hopefully people can really connect to that and know that I am a safe space and a home for them to come to with anything that may be going on, especially what I will um, speak on next week. So anyways, for this episode, this is truly going to be, uh, this is going to be based off of a question that somebody had asked. I posted something on my Instagram and um, I just asked, you know, ask any questions. Nothing is off limits. And so I had a few people write in. And so I want to start answering questions and going through things. And I thought this one was really important because I'm still early on in the podcast. So I feel like, you know, why not? Let's add this in here. Um, The girl that asked this question, she knows who I am. Um, She kind of grew up with me. I mean, we went to school together, graduated together, Um, weren't super close. We just ran in different groups of friends. But, you know, the question was, is like, you know, tell us who Brittany used to be. Tell us who Brittany was before Brittany became who she is today. Um, and let me tell you, that question is such a big, big question. And I mean that in the sense of like, I am such a different person than who I was even a few years ago. So, you know, it's one of those things that when I heard the question, I was like, you know, <laughs> let's get into this. Let's talk about who Brittany used to be, how she you know, kind of became who she is. Now, I've already talked about my accidental path and how I accidentally kind of fell into the spiritual path. Um, 
But, you know, before that, I will say that little Brittany would be super proud of who Brittany is today. Um, never in a million years did I think that this would be my path or did I think that this is where I would be, uh, but it is. So here we are today. So I will just start with, you know, when I was younger, I was very free. I was a free spirit. I was very much rebellious i think even at a young age i'm sure my parents will tell you that my mom will say that i had a mouth on me when i came out of the womb um and i think it's true i think at a very young age i just i didn't like to be controlled i didn't like to be told what to do um and i really stood my ground with a lot of things but i think a big part of that is that you know what i feel inside is that at a young age i really wanted to be seen and heard and you know, I came from kind of a broken home and I, I love my parents. I get along with both of them now. They are divorced. Thank God. No offense if you guys are listening. Um, they probably should have divorced sooner than they did. But, you know, it was. It was very broken. There was a lot of stuff that happened. Um, and so I think at a young age, I just, I really had to learn how to be kind of more grown up. And I had to learn how to protect myself and use my voice. And I think by doing that at such a young age, it really was like one of those things that I took to heart. And so I did. I was just rebellious. I stood on my own. You couldn't tell me what to do. But I also had such a big heart. I was such a loving person and kind. And I loved people. And I wanted to be loved even at a young age. And so, yeah, just wanting to really be seen and heard. And, you know, I have so many stories that even my cousins who were a few years older than me can tell of, you know, just they would dare me to do things. And I was like, all right, you know, not afraid of anything. I just had this, this energy about me that I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid of people. I wasn't afraid of things. I wasn't afraid of getting in trouble. You know, I did everything just out of fun and out of rebellion. And that's also kind of why I named this episode um, my drug of choice. It was rebellion. And, you know, I will always kind of say that because it's true, you know, and it sounds so weird, but that was really it was that I got high off of rebellion. I got high off of chaos. And, you know, I can look at that now, you know, even a few years ago, I was still in that place of rebellion and chaos. And even I, I would create it. I would create chaos when things were going smoothly. Um, even my husband will tell you that. And I think I did that even at a young age when things felt good and okay and safe. I was like, mm, too good to be true. Let's fuck some shit up. And I would, I would create just chaos and, you know, it wasn't a good thing. It's never been a good thing, but that was just it. You know, that drug of choice for me was rebellion and it was chaos. And that's almost where I felt safe. I know that may not make sense to people, but my safety was chaos. And I think just at a young age, I just had so much chaos on the inside that that's always what was coming out. Um, and so yeah, you know, as I kind of started growing, I didn't really grow out of any of the rebellion. You know, I kind of get into my teen years and good Lord, um, you know, I usually try to apologize to my parents because I was, I was so bad. Um, 
but again, it was really outside of school. So in school, I was always a very good student, um, you know, almost 4.0 straight A's. I was on the cheerleading squad. I was in choir and theater and really hung out with every group um, that, you know, you probably can. And, you know, it was weird because, yes, I was in cheer and I was also in theater and choir. So the groups were completely different, but I loved it. And, you know, again, I was still in that rebellious state and outside of school, I didn't listen to authority. I was constantly in trouble, um, really because I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And so, you know, I had cops called on me multiple times to come to the house and I will never, I will never forget there was this one time there was a certain cop that always came and I actually learned to really like him. Um, and he was kind of safety for me when he would come. But I remember one day he brought a new partner with him and it was just a day. My parents had called the cops because I had an attitude. I wasn't listening and they were just tired of dealing with my shit. And so of course their answer was, let's call the police on her. Like it was going to fucking work. Um, and I remember they came in and the officer that I really liked was talking to my parents and the other officer that I didn't know was up in my room and he was trying to talk to me. And I remember just sitting there glaring at him because I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. And he's like, you need to talk to me. And I was like, I don't fucking have to talk to shit. And God, my attitude to a point that the other cop heard him starting to raise his voice and he had to come up and take over because he was the only one that I would listen to. And it was just so bad. I remember he came up and he's like, you cannot talk to an officer like that. I was like, I can do whatever I want. And that was literally how I was. That was the type of person that I was. I did what I wanted when I wanted, and it didn't matter who you were, what type of authority you were. I was going to push against you. And I think the reason I like that officer so much is because he learned how to deal with me in a correct way. And it's one of those, if I could push against you and you could still respect me and you could do things the right way, I felt safe with you. And that's how I was with him. And that's how I've been my whole life, even with regular people. Um, so yeah, high school was really not any different. Um, I was, again, I just wanted to be seen and heard and loved and I wanted people to know who I was. And so, you know, I did, I hung out with popular kids and I hung out with not popular kids, but it was kind of this, this fight, this fight of ego of wanting to fit in and be somebody, but also stand out. Like I just, I wanted to be so different from everybody else, but I also wanted to be liked by everybody. And it, God, it was so hard. Teenage years are just hard in general. Um, but a lot of my friends that, you know, I grew up with will tell you that like, I fought, I fought for myself. I stood up for myself. I stood up for them with everything I had in me. Um, and I, I remember, you know, another really good story just to kind of show you the type of person that I was in this attitude that I had in this confidence and just not being afraid of anything was when I was a freshman, there was a girl who was a senior and, you know, she was, she was a pretty big girl. She was, um, very intimidating. People were very, very scared of her because she was fucking mean and, I remember, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, what started it, but she didn't like me. And again, I'm a freshman and <laughs> I just laugh, like looking back at this. And, um, I was, 
at the time I was a, I think I was a water girl for the football team, which ridiculous, but I did it because I wanted to be around the boys story of my life. Um, and so I was a water girl and I remember being down in the crowd or down on the football field and everybody's in the crowd and this girl is like yelling things at me and I'm trying to ignore her. And I've got another really good girlfriend with me. Um, and we're standing down there and the girl starts throwing like pennies at me. Now, again, mind you, she's quite a bit older than I am at the, at that time though, I wasn't sure how old I just knew she was a senior and she keeps throwing things at me. And like, I finally am like just pissed and I pick up a handful of rocks and I turn around and chuck it at her and I yell, fuck you. And like, Oh God, I just remember the look on everybody's face when I did this and all these rocks hit her this girl looked at me and she goes meet me at the bus after the game and i instantly thought oh fuck, i'm gonna die i'm literally going to die today because this girl was so much bigger than me she could have literally torn me apart and so yes fear sunk in in that moment because i was like all right i'm probably gonna get my ass kicked but let's do this shit. so I remember another senior girl that was like a manager on the football team. She was like, that was a terrible idea, dude. She's like, I mean, I'm proud of you because nobody does that, but she is going to murder you. And I was just thinking, oh God, this is going to be so bad. So anyways, the game ends. I'm terrified, but I go to the bus and like, she's not there. So I'm like, okay, we're good. Oh, I was not good. Um, that next day or whenever we had school again, I was standing there and this one's for Danielle. Danielle will remember this if she's listening to the podcast. So I'm facing Danielle and we're talking in a serious conversation and we're in the cafeteria and all of a sudden Danielle's eyes get really big and so big and like her face just looks terrified. And I'm like, I'm looking at her like, what the hell? What is wrong with you? And I feel this tap on my shoulder and I turn around and this girl, her name is Kayla. She's in my face. She's towering over me. She is like a freaking football player. I mean, she's just <laughs> huge. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm going to eat you. Y'all, I, in that moment, you would think most people would be scared. And I think that fear ran through me. But at the same time, I could not hold my shit together. I could not hold my shit together. I just had some big girl come up and tell me that she was going to eat me. And I instantly just start laughing. I couldn't even take it seriously. And I mean, she could have, again, just pounded my face in in that moment. And I start laughing, which makes Danielle start laughing. And I'm like looking at her and all that came out of my mouth wasn't like a sorry or wasn't anything fearful. I just looked her dead in her eyes. I was like, yeah, and my whole family. Oh, you guys, why was I this way? Like somebody who was three times my size wanting to literally murder me and all I could do was like smart off. And I remember she glared at me and she walked off and I was like, what the fuck? Like I had no idea because she didn't beat my ass. And I turned to Danielle and I'm like, what just happened? Like she just told me she was gonna eat me. But then it was like this weight lifted off because I think when I, I get into a fear type of state, I try to make things funny and I make things really uncomfortable and I can still be that way. So I think that's what happened is I kind of went into this fear state and I just like panicked and all I could do was laugh and then say something rude. And Danielle was just looking at me like, you're gonna die. She's like, she is for sure. You're at the top of her list of people to kill. 
And so anyways, that again is just a part of who I was. And now to end that story, me and this girl actually made up after a few weeks of just like bullying and going back and forth, I finally got the courage and I went up to her and I was like, look, I'm not going to do this the rest of the year. Like I want to have this conversation with you. And we had a really good conversation. And the best part about it was that she protected me the rest of that year while I was there. Nobody fucked with me. I mean, nobody really fucked with me anyways, because again, I was mouthy and I was mean and I was fiery. Um, but with her having my back, oh, no one, no one would dare to speak badly to me. And so it was kind of a plus, but again, that is, that is who I was. I didn't care who you were, what you could do. Um, and I just, that was, that was me and me protecting myself was hurting other people too. And this is something I've done my whole life. Um, even up until a few years ago, I mean, even now I slip back into those cycles and those patterns, but I always had it in my head that if I can hurt you first, then I can't be hurt. And it's such a sad way of thinking about things, but that's just how I was. That's how I learned to be. I saw a lot of hurt happening between my parents when they were together and throughout their divorce. And it was just like a protective mechanism for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I used my words to cut people down so badly, even if I barely knew you, like I just had such a sharp tongue and I could read your energy and instantly just attack if I had to. And obviously I'm not proud of it, but at the same time, that was just how my system worked. And so, yeah, through high school, you know, I get through high school and again, I do very well um, in school. Um, I got in trouble a few times. I got in school suspension a few times. I, um, oh, how many times? I think three different times for back talking the assistant principal because I wore a tank top and didn't want to put a sweater on. Um, I got kicked out of my debate class because I debated way too much. The teacher even told me like, I really like you. I think you're great, but the kids can't deal with you. So I got kicked out of that. I got kicked out of my math class because my boring math teacher, he's an algebra teacher, was blaming me for some shit that I didn't do. And I just like got tired of it. And I got up and just started yelling and cussing and it was bad. So I got in school suspension for that one too. I got in school suspension for skipping one of my classes. Um, technically I was in the school. I was just in another teacher's room and I tried to use that as an excuse, but I couldn't. So yeah, I was not this like great teenage girl. Um, I think people that don't don't know me may think that I used to be good, but like, no, I wasn't. I was probably the worst of the worst. Um, and, you know, another part of high school, um, something that really big that happened my freshman year that may come as a surprise to some people. Um, a lot of my close friends know, obviously my family knows, but I went to a psych ward my freshman year. So my freshman year of high school, I was put into a psych ward. Um, I had been diagnosed with depression, like in middle school, maybe my freshman year. Um, and I just remember my mom wanting me to take the pills and I would on and off. And then I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Like I knew I didn't need them. Like even at that age, even at such a young age, I knew that I didn't need them. I didn't want them. I felt like taking them, something was wrong with me and I knew nothing was wrong with me. Um, and so, yeah, I dumped him down a drain. Me and my mom got into a huge fight. And I just remember 
you know, I used to threaten to kill myself. I did used to cut, but it was more again for a relief. I never cut myself or did anything because I intentionally wanted to kill myself. Um, and I can speak on that fully now, obviously still not good that I was doing any of that, but I just remember saying awful things to my mom. Um, her brother, my uncle actually killed himself, um, when I was a baby from suicide, um, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was really hard for her. And so I just rebelled. And I remember in that moment thinking, cause she was telling me I threatened to kill myself just to piss her off. And she had threatened to put me in the psych ward. And at that point I didn't give a shit. I was like, fine, take me because I wanted to be anywhere, but in my home. And so she did. And I went in and I was in the psych ward for a week. And let me tell you being in there, I was probably the most normal person in there. And it opened my eyes so much. One, I never wanted to go back. Um, being in a psych ward is definitely something that you don't want to do. I mean, avoid it at all costs if you can. I don't even know if they have, if they have psych wards anymore. Is that a thing? Um, but yeah, being a freshman, I mean, I was 15, 16 years old and I spent a week in the psych ward with kids that had like real fucking issues, like kids that were so hurt and just so sad and oh god it was awful it was so awful just seeing this all unfold and unravel and to make matters worse where the kids were we were across the hall from the adults and i remember the alarms would go off like every other day because there was one girl who kept trying to break out it was the scariest shit of my entire life and it made me realize like one i don't ever want to come back here but also you know, this is so sad. This breaks my heart. And in that moment, I realized like through school and going to college, I wanted to get into psychology and, you know, begin counseling. And um, that was kind of the route I took, which is for another day. But that was really what set me on the path of healing, which actually now saying this out loud, I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> that's what kind of put me on the path. That's what put me on the path to get into psychology and all of those types of things. And now I say I do that work just without a degree because that's truly what I do um, because I never finished. I didn't finish going through with my degree, but again, something for another time. So anyways, spent the week in the psych ward is not something I wanted to go back to. Um, did not change my rebellious spirit, but um, did make me, I think, calm down and open my eyes a little bit more. So yeah, again, through high school, just doing the same shit, rebelling, causing chaos, um, just doing my own thing. That was my spirit. That's how I was. I wanted to be liked and loved and heard and seen, but also stand out and be different and not give a shit. It was just so many things. Um, and then I went to college and I was on a cheer scholarship when I was in college, uh, met my first boyfriend at the time, which obviously looking back, I'm like, oh God, red flags all over. Um, but it was what it was. I needed that. I needed those lessons. We were together for four years. We moved to Colorado together because again, my rebellion spirit, I dropped out of my first semester of college, uh, because of my cheer coach just didn't want to deal with the shit anymore. Moved to Colorado, moved back home. Just, I moved so much. Um, that first relationship was incredibly toxic and it was not all his fault. I will fully take blame for some of the stuff that happened and went on. And, um, you know, 
it takes two people. And I know sometimes it's not always both people, but it was in this case. And we should have split up a lot sooner than we did. But you get comfortable and you get scared to be alone. And that's how I was. And then finally I had to break it off. And, you know, I was with him from 18 to about 23. So in those moments of where you should really be learning about yourself and growing and having fun and exploring, I wasn't, I was in this serious toxic relationship. So when I got out, um, you know, I was back home and I had friends from home and, you know, that's when I really started going out and, exploring and learning about myself but god that rebellion probably took on way more than it had ever before um you know i remember going out and trying to flirt and i was terrible i was awful at trying to flirt and meet people it was just not like i didn't know how to do it because in those years that i was with him we didn't go out we didn't party we didn't do any of that so it was all so new to me um, again, I mean, I partied a lot in high school. I did a lot of things in high school. I drank, I did drugs, I did all the stuff in high school. Um, had my first love in high school. Um, again, that's for a different time. But um, yeah, so I was finally on my own. And I think in those moments, I was good being single, but I also hated being alone. So from about 23 to 26, um, when I moved to Oklahoma, I was single, I was exploring, I dated here and there, did shit I probably shouldn't do, but you know, I was looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong guys, um, red flags and almost all of them. And you know, I just, I wanted love. I wanted to be loved so badly. And I think a lot of people are that way, especially a lot of women, we just crave this love. And I wish that it wasn't that way, but it was. and. So yeah, you know, I I did things that I wish I could take back, but I can't. We're here now. Um, so yeah, I was just having fun. I was the girl that wanted to be the center of attention. Again, that drug of choice, it was, it was rebellion. And you could find me on the weekends and sometimes during the week dancing on tables and bar tops at the bars, um, just having a good time, staying out till two, three, four, whatever in the morning. Um, and that's just what I did. I think I numbed so much of what was going on inside with all of that. And I did, I wanted to be the center of attention. And back then I, you know, wanted large groups of friends. I really felt at the time that the more friends you have, the bigger your group of friends, the more people, you know, the more successful you are. And all of that is just so crazy, but that's what I did. I mean, a lot of the people that I used to party with, I, I don't even talk to anymore. Um, because again, at that time, a lot of people just wanted me to come out because I was, I was this party girl. It was fun. I created chaos and I created just, I think this freeness and fun for other people. And that's what I did. And Again, I think it was all a numbing process. I think it was just stuff to numb what was going on inside of me and um, to numb all the things that I didn't want to face. And so that's how I used to really deal with my pain and my anger was just to go out and party and drink and be the center of attention and you know, do all the things that I wasn't supposed to do and give myself to people that I shouldn't have given myself to. Um, 
because again, I just, I didn't know how to deal with the pain and the trauma of everything that was going on on the inside, even though at the time I thought everything was fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, and I think that's how a lot of people are now is that they think, oh, I'm good. Like there's no trauma, blah, blah, blah. But when you actually start diving into it, you realize how much you are holding on to. And that's what I've realized through the work I've done. Um, but yeah, I, you know, after I moved to Oklahoma, I was still partying and then I met Michael and um, it was kind of one of those things. So he always we laugh at it now. It is really funny, but we actually, me and Michael met on Tinder. And at the time he was living an hour away um, from where I was in the city. And so we matched up, but at the time I was talking to multiple other people and, you know, we had a whole conversation, we were texting, but then I got more serious with one of these other guys. And so I deleted my Tinder, which deleted Michael off of there, deleted our whole conversations, everything with this guy, I took him home to meet my family. It did not work out. Terrible decision. Lots of red flags there. But again, I think Brittany was attracted to red flags. So that's how I worked. Um, when things didn't work out, I added the app back and me and Michael matched up. And I remember thinking, this guy looks really familiar. He's cute. Let's see what happens. And so we started talking again and he still gives me shit for this. He would be texting me and I was asking questions and he'd be like, you already asked me this question. Um, I asked him to send me pictures of his dog. He's like, I've already sent you all this stuff. Like, are you okay? Like, do you not remember who I am? Y'all, I felt so bad, but that was again, how my mind worked and how I worked. I had completely forgot our conversations. I had completely forgot through my whole time of talking to other people that we had had all these conversations. Thankfully, he stuck it out with me and wanted to see things through and get to know me more because here we are, you know, eight and a half years later. But it's always a funny story now that we can talk about and he still gives me shit for. Um, so yeah, we, we met on Tinder, we kicked things off. The other thing too is that um, Michael has quite a big backstory um, that maybe eventually I'll get into, but right now I'm not going to, um, but he did spend some time in prison. And so when I was first looking him up, cause that's what you do when you're first on Tinder is you try to find people on Facebook. And I kept seeing all these like, pardon Michael, pardon Michael. And I was really ignoring it. And then that second, and that was the first time. And then the second time we started talking again, I started looking more into it and I realized it was him. And I realized, oh shit, this guy has been in prison. And of course, I think most girls would probably look at that and be like, mm, I'm good. But instead, Brittany being Brittany was like, mm, I'm intrigued. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> so I did. But again, I'm glad that I did because here we are eight and a half years later. <laughs> Um, and it still just makes me laugh because I didn't run. I was like, mm, I want to find out more. My parents were not happy. They were not happy in the beginning when they found out. But once they read his story and got to know him, they were like, oh, okay, I get it. But no, at first, mm -mm, they were not happy campers about me dating a guy that had been to prison. Um, but no, they love him now. So um, yeah, we, the other kind of crazy thing too, when we first met is again, I was in the city, I was an hour away. We had met on Tinder. We'd never met on person. We talked a few times through um, FaceTime, maybe twice, I think. And one day I wanted to go out and see him. I was like, you know what? I'm going to drive out there because he would come into Edmond um, every weekend to see his family. So I was like, I'm going to come out there. He tried to talk me out of it, guys. Tried so hard to talk me out of it. But again, me being persistent in who I was, was like, no, I'm coming out. So finally he gave me the address. 
I did not tell my roommates where I was going. I did not tell my family where I was going. Nobody knew. Nobody had a single clue where I was going. I drove an hour away, drove down dirt roads, only to find out when I get there um, that he lives maybe two to five miles to the closest people. I'm so far off the highway. And again, this is something we laugh and joke about now because this was just who I was, my personality. I was invincible. You couldn't mess with me. I was totally fine. And we laugh now because I'm like, you could have literally murdered me and chopped me in a million pieces and nobody would have known. Nobody would have had any idea because I up and just went out to the middle of nowhere without telling anybody um, because that was just me. That was how I worked. And so again, thankfully, obviously I'm still here. We are still together, but it was just one of those that was like, good Lord, what is wrong with me? Um, but here we are. And so yeah, once we met, it was, you know, there was a lot of chemistry, a lot of connection and you know, we've had our ups and downs and we've been through some shit, um, but we've gotten through it. And uh, there are times still that I fall back into old patterns and old cycles um, with him. I think Michael has helped me push through a lot of the things that I have done. And there are things that, you know, we've had to really work through. I mean, even, even now there's cycles that I have broke, but I will still sometimes, you know, fall back into those. It's it's easy to fall back into things. And it's mainly when I don't feel safe or when I feel attacked or when I feel like I'm not being heard. And that's what really gets me. Um, and so in those moments, I tend to lash out. And that's what I used to do is I would lash out um, because that's all I could. I, that's all I could do to protect myself. I could feel it rising. And even to this day, I can feel when that's going to happen. And I'm typically really good with being able to feel it and walk away but there are moments where it just comes out of me and it is word vomit and it's never very pretty. And it always ends in apologies because after I take a deep breath and realize that I was being a complete asshole, um, you know, that's just a part of it. That's a part of healing. That's a part of moving through the trauma. And I know that. Um, so yeah, that was Brittany in a 30 minute nutshell of who she was from when she was little to now. Um, again, I think most people that know me now, it's like I'm thankful in, in two different ways. I'm thankful for the people that know me now for who I am um, and not the old Brittany. I think that they would probably be scared and not want to have been friends with me. But then I'm also very, very thankful for those friends that have stuck by me and seen me at my worst and seen me at my best and see the work that I do. And they've always been there. They've always supported me. Um, because never in a million years, I think, did any of us think that I would be in this place. I mean, even people from high school that I wasn't close to are like surprised at the work that I do. You know, they're shocked that I am healing and that I'm moving through things because that was not how I was. I was not that person. And I knew nothing about healing. I knew nothing about being kind half the time. Um, and so it was, I think it's been a big shock and a change for people, but I have had people that knew me reach out and just say how proud of me they are and that they love to see my journey and where I've been going. And that is such a beautiful thing. And again, it just lights my soul on fire um, because I think we all have these paths. I think that all these paths that we end up on, they're where we are meant to be. So it's like even your whole life, your soul knows you're going to be going down that path. It's just a matter of when and how and all the things. And so I'm super grateful to be where I am today. Um, 
and the work that I've done on myself and the work that I've done to help other people. Um, that is my goal is just to help other people shift through things. So if I would have known all the stuff when I was a teenager, all the stuff that I know now, oh God, life would have been so different, but my soul needed the lessons. Uh, you know, I had to go through a bunch of different things so that I could get to where I am today. And I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. There are so many things that I'm still working on, but I'm working on them. I'm not stuck in the mindset of, you know, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. I have no trauma. I have nothing that's going on or nothing I need to work through. Because if you are in that mindset, you need to rethink all of that. You need to rethink your bad habits. You need to rethink your cycles that you get caught in. You need to rethink, you know, these bad situations you get into because all of these things are trauma. They are all things that are keeping us in that mindset and not letting us move through it um, to get to the next part of our journey. So keep that all in mind as you go through life. And also know that I'm always here to talk. I'm always here to answer questions. I've moved through a lot of shit on my own. I've I've done a lot of healing, so I feel like I'm able to help people just through experiencing. So um, anyways, that is it for today. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown of, again, who Brittany was before Brittany became who she is today. So hopefully you can connect. Hopefully some of my you know old friends that I grew up with are listening to this and just kind of laughing. Um, and again, my door is always open. Um, for you to come ask questions and talk to me about things. So I will be posting this. Well, if you're listening to it, then it's obviously posted. Um, I'm going to be better about doing these and getting them posted. So um, yes, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will be talking to you all very soon. Bye-bye.